0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. All right, good morning. How are you? I just want to personally thank the veterans. My dad was a veteran, my grandfathers were or vets, and uh, so I'm deeply thankful for your sacrifice and service, and I realized I need to start this morning by answering the question that everyone's asking me, how did you get that gash in the middle of your head and seven stitches? So I I realized I needed to answer that question when I stepped up to the counter uh, of the airline yesterday, and they looked at me and said, "Uh, what happened, get in a bar fight? I said, no, I'm a pastor. Uh, I guess that doesn't mean anything anymore, but... (laughs) So um, I was in in Texas uh, preaching at a lot of different uh, venues this past week, and then uh, I was taken out hunting, uh, which you guys know I'm an outdoorsman, and um, I hadn't shot a rifle in 10 years. And uh, so a little embarrassing, uh, got a little too close to the scope, and bam, hit me. Hit me right in the eyes and uh, just start, I turned around, and I looked at my dad, and I was like, Do I have a little mark on my face as blood's pouring down? And uh, anyway, so I FaceTime Dr. Evelyn Lowe. Uh, you guys know who John is, he's on our board, Dr. Uh, John Lowe, who's on our board of advisors. His wife's an ER doctor, so I'm FaceTiming her and she's like, Robert you have to go into an ER and you actually have to find one that has a specialist doctor because that is going to leave a horrible scar on your face. And so, you know, I drive into town, I walk up to the counter and they're like, what happened to you? And I said, oh, like I was hunting, the scope hit me in the face. And the woman looks at me, she's like, see, bad karma, shouldn't be hunting Bambi. And I'm like... (laughs) And like, you know, you guys know me. I, I'm wanting to like turn it into a witnessing. I'm like wanting to say, this. Yes, I don't believe in karma. I believe in a good loving God. But I'm like, this isn't gonna be a good testimony of a, you know, of a loving God. So I'm like, okay. And they take me back into the ER. And and and, and Evelyn Lowe, the, the ER doctor, has told me, like, you have to get this kind of doctor. Don't let them glue you. You have to get this kind of sutures. And that the funny thing is, when when she told me I had to go to the ER, I'm like, that is gonna cost me a fortune in a different state. So I call my insurance agent, I call Nathan, and he's like, Robert, what happened? I said, bro, I'm got. i hunting, I got hit with a scope. He's like, no, that's so cool. He he goes, most guys like slip on a banana peel in their kitchen and hit their head on the counter. You are so manly. And uh, he's like, man, I'm gonna have to break HIPAA laws and like tell all the other agents about this. I'm gonna end up in jail telling your story, man. That's so cool. I'm like, okay, I gotta go. and uh, so I'm, I'm in the ER and like person after person's coming in. And this is funny because it's Texas. So they're all going, what happened? I tell them, they're like, but did you get the deer? But did you get the, but did you get the, the doctor comes in, but did you get the deer? So all you are wondering, yes, I got it. I'm eating venison tonight. And um, anyway, uh, so, but the funny thing that the doctor told me is she's like, wow. Because she's, she understands all the things I'm telling her to do. She goes, man, everyone needs an ER doctor for a friend that they can FaceTime with. And I had this great experience in the ER, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking out, and you know I, I'm thinking, man, in a time of trial or in a time of crisis, it's great to have wise counsel to lead you through a situation. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I think God lets things just happen to me so I can have illustrations. Uh, I want to talk about you were called to be a leader. And I want to talk about the need of leaders in the body of Christ, the need for leaders in the body of Christ. You see several years ago I, I took a retreat and I was a personal retreat. I was in Santa Barbara, and I was seeking the Lord for the vision for this church for the next three years and I felt like God said i don 't want to speak to you about the next three years. I want to give you a vision for the next fifty years for the next fifty years and I'm looking, I'm on the side of a hill, I'm looking down this ravine where the stream is flowing, and I noticed just scores of oak trees. All the hills are totally barren, but in this ravine are scores of oak trees. And I felt like the Spirit started speaking to my heart, if you'll allow for the Spirit to move, I will raise up tons of leaders, and those leaders will be oaks of righteousness. And you know from Scripture that oaks of righteousness are a, a, a symbol of leaders in the body of Christ. I, I I grew up on a little ranch, and I was actually there this week. And let me show you one of the beautiful oaks on our property. Here's this oak, and what would happen is in the heat of the hot Texas sun or in the midst of a Texas thunderstorm, our cattle would go under and, and find refuge. And that's what I understood is that leaders are... Are to have broad shoulders and wide arms to provide a place of protection and covering for people to come into and find solace. And that's what I believe that God is wanting to do in this church is that he's wanting for for people to come and drink from the river of God and to raise up leaders and to deploy them in every sector of society that God would raise up men and women of God and deploy them into business. He'd deploy them into the medical field. He'd deploy them into education, into school, and universities, he'd deploy them into the arts and into acting and into music. He'd deploy them into neighborhoods and he'd season this whole region with oaks of righteousness, people who lead out in the body of Christ. And that's how this city will become what I believe God's called San Diego to be, which is a light, a city on a hill, a light to a dark place, a light to a, a region and ultimately be ascending center to the nations of the world. So God wants to raise up leaders and I was studying 1 Chronicles 11. He led me to this passage this week. Maybe you've never studied it before, but it's an incredible passage that unpacks what happens when godly leadership arises. And let me just give you the context. Chronicles is chronicling the life of David and David was the greatest leader in Israel's history, except for Jesus, and he came in a time of crisis because Israel actually had a bad king, and his name was Saul. And so Saul has just been killed. The, the scripture says that actually Saul died because of his unrighteousness, because he wouldn't honor the Lord. And that's where we come to in 1 uh, Chronicles 11. So if you'd start there with me, we're going to cover a lot of scripture. We're going to really dive deep into this word. It says, all Israel came together to David at Hebron and said, we're your own flesh and blood. In the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel, on their military campaigns. And the Lord your God said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel, as the Lord had promised through Samuel. David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem, that is Jebus. The Jebusites who lived there said to David, you will not get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of God. I'm going to give you six points this morning. I encourage you to write them down. Point number one is we need leaders. We need leaders. And let me speak to you for a moment because sometimes we think, well, then that's a that's a, a person with an office or that's a person with a title. Can I just tell you that God was raising up someone that didn't have a, a title King Saul was the one that was head and shoulders above everyone. He was the one who would walk in a room and people would look at and say, he's impressive, he's handsome, he's powerful, he's strong. But what Scripture says is even while Saul was king, they said, you led us, David. This one who came from from an ignoble background, this shepherd boy, but he had a heart after God and he had a heart to serve people and so God raised him up as a leader and here's a couple of things that happen when a leader arises. Number one, we see that in scripture. It says all Israel came together. Leaders unify people. We need leaders because they bring people together they bring people together. You saw that we're doing a beautification process at Crawford High School. Crawford was known as a very challenging school uh, just a handful of years ago. They said it was a very hard place to to do any kind of ministry. It was known for crime. It was known for friction between ethnicities. And God raised up a a young man that was in our college group. And some of you have met him, John Ferreira and his wife, Michelle, and they started having a hard heart to see a transformation at this school they started going and serving and John went and volunteered his time to be a football coach and they ended up giving him the JV team and John would lead out teaching the boys righteous principles through football and he'd he'd share about God and his love for God and what happened is soon these students started caring about each other they started coming together instead of racial strife they started being a team and we started seeing them come into our christian club there and then pulling into our youth group and you might have seen them this summer all these guys from different backgrounds who used to be known as very hard they were down in front of our church service with their arms wrapped around each other singing to god with all their hearts soon they started giving their lives to Jesus. And I watched just a couple weeks ago, I was in there speaking, I watched these students that some of them have been a believer for about three months, getting up and boldly standing and sharing about Jesus in front of their classmates. It says this, it says, David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem. When good leaders arise, people not only come together, but the, the people of God can accomplish great things. And so wouldn't you know that as John gets in there, starts bringing unity, starts teaching godly principles, that all of a sudden they start having their first winning season and start winning game after game. Go Colts, right? Go Crawford Colts. God uses leaders to bring a people together to accomplish his purposes. God wants to use you to accomplish his purposes. Let's keep going. It says, David had said, Whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander-in-chief. Joab, son of Zariah, went up first and so received the command. David then took up residence in the fortress, and so it was called the city of David. He built up the city around it from the terraces to the surrounding wall while Joab restored the rest of the city, and David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. David starts being used to transform the city. It says he was building it up. He was restoring it. But How? Number two is this, true leadership power comes from God being with you. True leadership power comes from God being with you. Now you can read all kinds of leadership books and I actually do that. I love leadership books. You can go to leadership conferences. I've been to numerous ones. You can have the most amazing leader mentor and I totally encourage you to find one but that is not ultimately what makes a great leader. Do you know that David never read a leadership book? Right, he never went to to the leadership summit from Willow Creek. No, he there was no leadership conferences back then, and David didn't have an amazing mentor. In fact, David's mentor Saul was trying to kill him constantly. So you can go without all three of those, and yet David became the greatest leader in Israel's history. Why? Because it says the Lord was with him. You want to be a great leader in your sector of society? Walk with the Lord. Stephanie was invited the other day to this, this pilot, this test group. They met at a restaurant, and these women were having them taste test and talk about the marketing for this kind of candy. And this woman shared her story that she was in church one day praying and saying, God, I want to create a business, and God downloads this recipe, this like chemical, uh, chemical molecular structure to make this kind of xylitol candy and it's just killed it on the market, and she was just giving God all the glory. Do you know, who, who are the business people in here? There's five of you. Awesome. Uh, that's really gonna, really gonna help our church, and um, do you know that God knows business? I think a bunch of you were, were, were lying. Do you know that God uh, knows business better than anyone? I loved hearing a story of a guy I know. He said that his business was having all these problems because of a computer problem he was having. In the middle of the night, so he's praying, goes to bed praying. In the middle of the night, God wakes him up and gives him the programming solution. He goes to the office next day, types it in. It works out. His business starts transforming. Do you know that God has the answer to your business problems? That God understands business, that God understands medicine, God understands the arts, God understands school better than any student, right? God has the answer. We draw near to Him. And as we walk with Him, He pours His favor out on us. I'm constantly hearing as we talk about walking with God, we talk about aligning ourselves with His path. I'll have people come up to me in this church all the time and say, out of the blue, my boss came to me and said, I just wanna promote you. I trust you. There's just something different about you. And also they're rising to the top. Do you know that walking with God will make you a powerful leader? Walking with God. He is the all-powerful and he empowers his people. Let's keep going. These were the chiefs of David's mighty warriors. They, together with all Israel, gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land. As the Lord had promised, this is the list of David's mighty warriors. Jashobim, a hackmanite, was chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter, Booyah. He was with David at Pass demim when the Philistines gathered there for battle at a place where there was a full field of barley the troops fled from the Philistines but he they uh, they took their stand in the middle of the field they defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory Here here's my my next point you know if you know david you understand that he did amazing things he was a shepherd he killed uh the lion and the bear he he came as a shepherd boy had a sling and took down goliath but the amazing thing about david the reason he had and led the country into its golden era wasn't just because of what he did but because david raised up a culture of leaders God is looking for a leadership culture, not just one leader. Some churches, it's just like a celebrity pastor and everyone comes to just listen to them and, oh, aren't they amazing? Do you know that God called in Ephesians chapter 4 people in ministry to, to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists? Why? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. God wants a culture of leaders, not just one impressive leader. And so the power behind David was he actually saw the golden others and called them out and called them up and raised them up, and it created a wave of leadership. And that's what I believe that God is wanting to do in this church. I believe if God has brought you here, he has called you to lead. And don't disqualify yourself because you go, well, I can't stand up on a mic and speak. There's all types of leadership. Right? God used Aaron and Miriam and Esther to bring a great deliverance, right? God used David and Solomon to bring a country into a time of prosperity. God used Paul and Peter to plant churches to transform society. God used John the Baptist to call a region back to God. God used Isaiah and Jeremiah to call the people to repentance. There's all types of leaders that God uses, and we know from the Jethro principle, there's not just leaders of thousands, but Jethro said put people in leaders of tens, over fifties, over hundreds, over thousands so just because you see someone you go i could never do what they do no but god might be calling you we need a lot more leaders of tens than we do thousands and every one of you will be a leader in your family if you're a christian the spirit of god the spirit of the ultimate leader lives in you and so you will be a leader to your sphere of influence God is calling you to be a leader in your sphere of influence. I was so impacted by my pastor, Jimmy Seibert, because he was always praying, God, raise up leaders around me and raise up my sons and daughters to outrun me. Raise up my spiritual sons and daughters. Raise up leaders here that will outrun me. Because it wasn't about him being the ultimate. He he understood the test of a great leader is actually raising up other leaders around you. So I'll, I'll never forget uh, when, when I was speaking at a conference there and he says this and says, so hey, I wanna introduce Robert, he's outrun me. I don't believe that, I, don't, I haven't outrun him but I thought what a heart to say in front of thousands of people that you don't have, feel like you have to be the best. You see, a great leader doesn't feel like they have to be the best. A great leader knows that the test of leadership is am I raising up others around me? So if you're a life group leader, it's not just about you. Don't go in and think, I've just got to do everything. No, your greatest job is looking and watching for gifts in your group to call them up and let this person lead in hospitality and let this person lead in prayer and let this person lead in mercy and let this person lead in welcoming people in. Like that's our calling. That's our gifting. Pray that God raises up leaders around you. So here, here's the situation. Some of us are, are frustrated at our, our workplace. Man, it's just such a, a bad environment. Well, pray that God raises up godly leaders in your workplace. Right? Some, some of you that are school teachers, you're like, man, my, this class is out of control. Pray that God raises up kids that love Jesus, that are leaders, because they will shift the atmosphere of that room. Right, If you're a children's volunteer in here, I I encourage you not to just go and volunteer with children, but to ask God to raise up more leaders to help you, but also that God would raise up children leaders in your classroom because they will set the atmosphere of that room. If you're having trouble with a room, pray God, raise up a leader. Raise up someone who wants to pursue you and then all the other kids follow, Pray that in your school. Pray that in your neighborhood. Man, people are just rough in my neighborhood. No, pray that God would raise up godly leaders. We don't want to just be a leader. We want to pray for other leaders to be raised up. That's how the city is going to be transformed. I'm about to start preaching. Now watch this. It says this. Three of the 30 chiefs came to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam. Three of the thirty chiefs came to David, to the rock, the cave of Adullam. Well, why am I pointing out this phrase, the cave of Adullam? Because sometimes we think, well, Robert, I, I could I could raise up leaders if if God just brought some great leaders around me. Like that's what happens, right? David was such a great leader that all these leaders just flocked to him. No, that that's actually not the case. If you study the cave of Adullam, it was a place where David went to hide when Saul was trying to kill him. So you remember that? Saul is hunting David. And can I just tell you, side note, if you're in a crisis right now, that's often God's crucible for raising up leaders because in crisis is where your characters form so God can trust you to raise you up. (laughs) Whoo! That wasn't even in the notes, guys. That God's speaking to someone right now. So in the cave of Adullam, he's hiding in the cave of Adullam, and watch what happens in First Samuel 22, verse 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So he's escaped Saul, Saul there. When his brothers and fathers' household heard about it, they went to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander, about 400 men were with him. Did you see that? All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Right? He's already like living in a cave, hiding out, and then imagine every discontent person comes and hangs out with you. Every indebted person, he's like, "Hey, I'm hungry. Got any money?" "Nope, I'm in debt." "How about you?" "Nope, I'm distressed." "Nope, how about you?" Oh, "I'm discontent." Right? Great. That's who David has around him. And sometimes we think, you know, man, I I I could really do something for God if I didn't have all these bozos around me. You know, like, you you look and you go, man, this is the worst life group. Everyone's got problems. Like, Lord, why'd you give me these people? Because God wants to raise up the next group of David's mighty men. That's why he brought you those people. You know, because God works different than we do. Right? We, we, We look, see this beautiful actress, and we just think, oh, if she gets saved, she would impact the world. Right? Don't we think that way? Or we see this amazing football player, and we're like, man, if he just got saved, everyone would follow Jesus. Right? Or, or this billionaire. Man, if that billionaire just gave his life to Jesus, it would change the world. And, and at times, God uses celebrities. But, you know, when, when he does, oftentimes people go, well, the reason why is because he had so much money. The reason why is because she's so beautiful. The reason why is that person has such a great voice. But you know what God loves to use? He loves to use the broken uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 1, 27 through 29, it says that God actually chose the weak things of the world to, sh- to, to shame the, the strong. And he chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he chose the lowly things and the despised things of the world. And then why? So that no one may boast before him. When God raises up someone from being distressed, indebted, and discontent, and all of a sudden, they are shining with God's glory, they are moving in wisdom, and they are stepping out boldly, God gets the glory, because people say, that person should not be able to do that. Certainly, God is on their life. Right, and so don't disqualify yourself. Some of you came in and you're like, man, a message on leadership, I'm just trying to survive. I barely got here because I'm dealing with depression. Can I just tell you, you're a perfect candidate to be raised up, to lead in this city at this time because God will get all the glory from your life. God wants to use you And, and you leaders that are in the room that are looking around at your group saying, God, who did you bring me? Just know you're in the company of David. You're you're just being set up to raise up the next mighty men, the next mighty women of God. That is who God loves to use. While a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephraim, so leaders, you know, we're going to deal with issues. So a band of enemies encamped, and at that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem so so you you get this like they didn't have water fountains in this cave. And so David's been running and he's been fighting and he's thirsty and he's just kind of speaking off the top of his mind. He's like, oh, I'd love some water. He's, he's thinking about the old days when he used to go to his favorite coffee shop, right? And, 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 and there was a refreshing latte that he'd get and, and he's thinking back to those old days when he's tending the sheep and he'd go to the well and drink out a cold cup of water. He's like, oh, that water from Bethlehem, that was so refreshing. And watch what happens. says, so the three broke through the Philistine lines and drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. Like David's men, his leaders loved him so much that they're like, hey, we'll do anything to bring you a glass of water. And so they break through the enemy. It's like there's an Al-Qaeda cell hanging out at Starbucks and Joel's like, hey, Robert, you want a latte? No problem. And he takes on the Al Qaeda cell to bring me my soy latte decaf, right? I'm just saying. And, and, and he brings it out, right? So here's, here's, here's my next point. Point number five in a healthy culture of leadership, honor is given. We want to be a healthy, culture of leadership. If, if we want more leaders to be raised up, if we want to change this city through leadership, we need to be people that give honor. We need to, we need to give honor. You know, th- this just got driven into my heart through a movie. Anybody have movies speak to them? Like you're just watching a, a, a movie and, and you're just like, oh, overcome by God speaking to you. So uh, who's seen the movie Narnia? Okay, a lot of you. Thank you. Okay, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. You need to repent and see it. And um, because it's written, it's the, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote these books. They're, they're really uh, powerful. But in the, in the movie Narnia, Peter, who's just been a schoolboy uh, in England, now is about to lead the Narnians against the White Witch and her massive army. It's like 10 times as big. And he's standing there leading the people, but next to him is his main general, who's Twice as big, he's a ripped centaur, right? Half horse, half man, big sword, burly, awesome, and, and and Peter's like this little boy, you know. And he looks at him, and he goes, "Stay with me," and the uh, the horseman looks at him and goes, "To the death." And I'm like, "Ooh." <laughs> And and then they go, they charge into battle. And what happens is they start getting beat. So they retreat and Peter's left all alone and he gets knocked down and he's about, and the whole army's left and he's about to be overtaken. The white witch is about to come and kill him. And Aureus, the centaur, the half man, half horse, just comes down and risks his life all by himself to defend him and just gets taken out. And I just cried in the movie theater, I, I mean, it was not pretty, yeah. and, and I'm like, "Oh Lord, I want to be Orpheus, and you know, I want to be a horseman," you know. And and I remember God is working this in my heart, like, wh- "Am I that kind of follower?" You know, you hear all kinds of teachings, and you read books on leadership, but how many books have you read on being a great follower? But do you know that we'll reap what we sow? I remember going to my pastor, I remember going to Jimmy and just saying, Hey, I just saw this movie and I just want you to be your Oreos. you know. And he's like, What? Oh, you want to be my Oreo? What, you know? No, no, like you're a horseman. He's like, what? Yeah, I take a while to explain it to him. But I want to be the kind of guy who builds up the heart of my leader. I want to show honor to my leader. I want to pray for my leader. I was, I was at Jimmy's church. Jimmy's on sabbatical right now. I was at his church, and I was speaking all these different times. You know what I'd do? I'd stand up in the pulpit. He's gone. He's not going to hear this. But I would say, don't you have an amazing leader? What a man of God. I would build him up in front of his people. You know, and if people bring an accusation against him, I always say, I know his heart. I speak well about him. I pray for him every way I can serve him. I try to serve, I try to minister to him because I know that leadership is a heavy responsibility. So anything I can do to help him lift the load, I wanna do that because I know that in heaven, I'm gonna be rewarded for that and that God's looking down and saying, well done, son. You know, sometimes being a servant doesn't seem quite as glamorous, but God sees it. God sees it and you reap what you sow. So you parents, you want your kids to honor you? Well, do they see you honoring other leaders? right? You teachers, you you want your students to honor you. Well, are you honoring your leaders, right? You business people, why don't my employees honor me? Well, are you honoring your bosses, right? You sow honor, you reap honor back. And we want to be a culture that sows honor. And and for some of you, you're going, hey, that's really good to preach, Robert. You're the pastor of this church. Can Can I just tell you, though, what did David do? Watch the next part. What did David do when they brought him the water? It says this, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went and risked their lives because they risked their lives to bring it back? David would not drink it. You see, David cared more about his people than he cared about his own needs. And that's healthy leadership. David cared more about his people than he cared about his needs. And that's point. Number five is this, somewhere. Oh, maybe that's not point number five, but here's a good point. <laughs> There's a difference between a culture of honor and a culture of exaltation. A culture of honor is healthy. A culture of exaltation puts leaders in a, in a place where we worship them, and that's unhealthy. And David wouldn't let himself be worshiped. He said, no, 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 a leader exists to serve. A leader exists to bless. And so Joel broke through the Taliban to go get me a latte, and I took my latte and said, no, Joel, and I poured it out on the ground, right? Uh, That's what David was doing. He was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so touched that you would do that, but he just poured it on the ground. Can't you imagine? The people were like, what? We just did all that to get you water, and you poured it out? But I guarantee you their hearts were touched because they said, wow, David cares more about our safety. He cares more about us being protected than having his thirst met, and that's what a good leader does. A good leader protects, a good leader serves, a good leader nurtures, a good leader won't use people for their own gain and that's what we want to be. We want to be that kind of church that raises up those kind of, of leaders, and we want to be a culture of honor, not a culture of exaltation. We don't want to, a, a culture of exaltation tells, tells us, what, we, we think, well, that leader, they're just, they're unworldly. They're perfect, and we put them and put expectations on them that no person can live out. You know what? Leaders are just like us. They're just normal humans that God's given great gifts to, and therefore we honor them. But in a culture of honor, we give grace. In a culture of exaltation, we demand perfection. Right? We don't want to be that kind of church. We want to understand that our leaders, they're just like us. They have struggles. They have pains. But God has endowed them with a gift, and therefore we will honor them. But we're not going to put them up as some celebrity to worship. We're going to treat them as brothers and sisters with honor. I'm trying. Such were the exploits. Of the three mighty warriors, Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. He was doubly honored. I hope we become a church where people are doubly honored, where we're just a culture of honor. I love that, doubly honored. Above the three and became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Benaniah, son of Jehudiah, a valiant fighter from Cabzeel, performed great exploits performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into, listen to this, he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. That's a great phrase in the Bible. (laughs) And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall, although the Egyptian had a spear like a big weaver's rod in his hand. Ben and I went against him with a little club and he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Right? In Jesus' name. That's, well, I didn't know that name back then, but here, here's my last point. Here's my last point. When there's great leadership, people rise up to perform great exploits, they will perform supernatural exploits. Right? They had seen David, and they said, well, this little shepherd boy can take out a, a Goliath, well, then I can too. Right? Someone's got to be the first giant slayer. But you go out, see, your act of boldness never just ends with you because people are watching you. People are watching you and they say, you know what, if he can do it, then I can do it too. And so it creates this culture uh, of courage and boldness and all of a sudden people start seeing that and they say, you know what, that was awesome, God showed up, well, I wanna go have my own boldness and so this homeboy sees a lion down in the pit and he goes, I wanna do something great for God, I'm gonna go down in that pit on a snowy day. And take on that lion. That's crazy. Yeah, but he got written down in the Bible forever. Lion slayer, right? See? God created hunting. See? And look at this other guy, you know. He he takes on a giant himself with a and takes his spear. And this, this is amazing. You you know, when you act boldly, when you take leadership, it it, it raises the whole culture around you. Parents, that's why it's so important. You seek after God, then your kids think this is just normal. You pray for the sick. The other day, we walked into a gas station, and I asked the woman how she was doing. She's like, oh, my neck and back are hurting so bad because I just got in a car accident. I said, we pray for the sick. And I said, let my boys pray for you. And without even thinking, both my boys, Joshua 10, John Mark 8, lay their hands on her, and Joshua just goes, in Jesus' name, I pray healing right now. I didn't even have to tell him what to do. He's seen me do it so many times. All of a sudden, the woman goes, whoa, it feels better. No lie. Like, I'm not lying. And I'm like, no, I, I believe you, right? <laughs> Why? Because the boys have seen their dad do it, and so they do it. Right? Step out, parents. Lead your kids. Share the gospel. Pray for the sick. You can do it. I know you're scared, but hey, at least you're not going into a pit with a lion on a snowy day, right? Right? <laughs> It's just your waiter. Just share with your waiter. They're not a lion, right? God uses leaders to inspire other people to do great exploits for him. And that's what we're believing for in this church. Let me read this last verse. And we come to the end of this section. And it says this. Day after day, men came to help David until he had a great army like the army of God. You know, if you'll stand as a leader, if you'll ask God, to transform you, and you'll just start stepping up. You know what? God's going to just start bringing people. He's going to bring more and more people, more and more men and women around you and into this community, and what happens? It becomes a mighty army. This is like the army of God. And what's the army of God? The army of God is his angels, his ministering spirits who come in war on his behalf, who come and bring supernatural power, and that's what God wants. He wants there to be an army raised up in San Diego, California, of people who step out and say, I might be indebted, I might be distressed, I might be discontented, but God but God is with me so I'm a powerful leader and I'm gonna step into my business. I'm gonna step into my neighborhood. I'm gonna step onto that park with all these moms and their little kids and I'm gonna tell them about Jesus. I'm gonna step in as a doctor or a nurse and I'm gonna pray for my patients. I'm gonna boldly share Jesus in my school and you know what? As we spread out into all sectors of society, we become an army that transforms this city. Let's rise up to be leaders, church. Why don't we stand up right now? Stand to your feet. Would you close your eyes? Father, I'm asking, I'm asking that you call up leaders today. You are the great leader, your spirit is within us, and we are asking God right now for every one of us to be inspired. I just want you to ask God, and I just want everyone to be still for just a moment. This is the most important moment. I just sense that God is wanting to call out some people. I was talking to my, just keep your eyes closed. I was talking to my Uber driver last night as I was coming home and said, do you you have a relationship with Jesus? No. said, do you want one? He said, yeah. Right there, boom, get saved in the car. You know, there's people that are in here this morning, and you say, you know, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one. If that's you, Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. It's not about you being perfect. It's about you receiving his forgiveness and his love. If you need to give your life to Jesus right now, just pray this after me. You can just pray this with all your heart and he'll come in and give you that free gift of salvation. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I invite you into my heart. Wash me clean. Put your spirit in me. With every eye closed right now, I just want to pray for you. If you just say, that's me, I'm praying that right now. If that's you, just every eye closed, but will you just raise your hand and wave at me real quick? I'm not going to point you out. Just wave at me, thank you. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. Just wave, say, yeah, that's me. I'm praying right now. Who else? Just wave at me. Just look up at me real quick. I'm going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. See you too. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just look up at me. Father, I thank you for these that are giving their life to you today. Thank you that today's the day of their salvation. They'll never have to wonder if their sins are forgiven. They're your children. Their names are written in your book of life. We celebrate that.